to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host and wife, Hannah Hogan. Good to be here. We are back with another late night podcast. Not really that late, really. It's like nine o'clock, <laughs> but, but uh, I'm exhausted, and um, I, uh, but I think this is going to be the norm for us. Because this is the time that we have. Uh, Daisy naps uh, for about 30 minutes in the day when we get her a nap. And um, so both of the kids are asleep tonight. And uh, so we're going to just pop out a podcast here, make it happen. We feel great. I mean, I have to, you know, I put Daisy to bed and I, uh, it's all that I can do to not fall asleep while I'm putting her to bed. And then I like, I like plow through like, all right, all right, she's asleep. And then I drag it up and then I'm like, now let's get hyper-focused and talk for an hour. Yeah. Let's listen intently and converse. Yes. But make sure it's hilarious too. But we like doing it. Mm. So here we are. We're thinking we might, this is a Tuesday night. We might go out to the cabin tomorrow night and we always fantasize that we'll, record a podcast at the cabin but so far that's just not happened i mean I, I i don't know when those things start to happen we're young parents i mean we're older but we're young in the parents game so i don't know when that sort of stuff starts to happen where suddenly you know life just opens up and you're you know back to you know being fairly selfish again i don't know when that happens mm, probably uh, when we're 60 yeah so good thing we had our 20s and 30s. You know what I mean? We lived it up. Yeah, I tore up my 20s and 30s. I tell you what, I had a good time. Yeah, I had a good time too. Yeah, it's about time for me to settle down. Yeah, I had too good of a time in some ways. And in other ways, I'm like, had I not been doing what I was doing so much, I might have had more fun. Like, you know, I've talked about it uh, too much, but it's like when I lived in Charleston and when I drank... I lived there for about 10 or 11 years, right? But let's say eight of those, let's say I lived there 10. Eight of those years, I drank the entire time. Mm. The last two years, I was sober. I I sold my car. I lived downtown. I had a bike that I rode. And I feel like I saw more previous years. Mm -hmm. Because I was just seeing things. And remembering it. Mm -hmm. As opposed to being blacked out for a decade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then again, it's like, I live in Nashville and I've lived here for uh, pretty close to 10 years mm -hmm. now. Uh, April of next year will be 10 years that I've lived here. And, you know, I know very little about the bar scene in Nashville, about the food scene in Nashville. There was a time when I could tell you everything about the bar scene in Charleston and the food scene. So, you know, you know, you got some give and take in there. It's like you've been two different guys so far in your life. Yeah, well, multiple, multiple different people. Oh, okay. Well, that's weird. Well, no, I mean. Multiple. If, 
Well, if you're going to look at it like that, it's like, it's like I've been two different guys. It's like, well, you know, I was who I was growing up in Alabama and I, you know, I was, uh-huh. I mean, I was living in a, in, you know, I had moved back into a trailer. So I was living in a trailer park. I was, I mean, it, it, it was a matter of months that I was standing in the yard drinking Jack Daniels. The grass was up to my knees and me and my buddies were shooting each other with a BB gun, not playing army. We would, we would go, one of us would go stand about 20 feet away or 20 yards or whatever. And then the other one would shoot them in the back with the BB gun. And then we would take turns doing that. And then our legs got so ate up from all the bugs that were in the tall grass. And we just kept drinking and laughing. Uh, And then I'm living in this very classy old Southern city trying to, you know, be somebody. Mm -hmm. So I was a, I would say that's a different person. All right. So there was, would you say white trash dusty? No, I don't think I was, I don't think I was that, but I, you know, I was on my way mm-hmm. to be in that. Yeah. I mean, because I think when you're night trash, when you're 1920, you're just, you know, you're just country. Yeah. If you're still shooting your buddies with BB guns in, in drinking in your thirties, mm-hmm. you're like hitting white trash levels. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can get away with a lot because of your youth. I've always believed you can't really be an alcoholic until you're 25. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a song. I think the guy's name's Corey Smith. I, I never quite remember. I, his first name is Corey, but he has a song called Wishing I Was 21. And the song is great. You know, he starts off the song and he is, um, you know, not old enough to get into the bars yet. And he's like, I wish I was 21, you know? And then uh, I guess the first two verses are about him not being old enough to get into the bar and how he wishes he was 21. And then the last verse is him being about 35 and a complete alcoholic looking at college girls going, I wish I was 21, you know? All right. And it's a good song. Yeah. But then when you hear his other songs, you're like, oh, this guy's an alcoholic. Mm. I mean, this guy, that's his only song that he had that I liked. Yeah. I'm not trashing him. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's writing from truth. Yeah. 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 I mean, cause you're partying so much and it almost just feels like that's what you're supposed to do when you're 20. It didn't occur to me that anyone who was 20 years old when I was 20 years old, wasn't getting wasted on the weekends. I mean, I just thought it was almost like that was my job. Yeah. I also would hang with older people, though, that were doing it, that were mm-hmm. still doing it. And I thought that was cool. Oh, okay. At that time. That yeah. was the same kind of way, like, when I was a kid playing video games, uh, my my friend, Kenneth, moved next door to me in a trailer. And he lived with his mom, and his mom had a boyfriend, and his mom's boyfriend played video games. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, man, that's cool. I thought, when I get to be an adult, I want to play video games too. Mm. You know? Well, I can see why it took you so long to get yourself together then with goals like that. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it took you until you're, like, 29 to be like, oh, okay. Like, these are not people I should be spending time with. No, it's, well, I don't think that I should not have been spending time with them. Okay. But I just, I don't, you know, they're not bad people. No, I'm not saying they're bad people. I just don't but want. you didn't have enough sense to realize uh, these people aren't bringing me up. Well, maybe not. They're not aspirational. Well, maybe not. But I, you know, I had enough sense as I went along, you know, as I matured to go, all right, that's not what I want to do. All right. Okay. So you had on your way to white trash, Dusty. You had drunk Charleston, Dusty. Yeah, I wish there were a different term. I don't, I've always tried to, I've had, I've tried to make jokes uh, with white trash in it. And people don't like the term. No one seems to ever like the term. Mm -hmm. I had a joke about getting, getting money. And I would say, and you just can't give white trash money. Not as long as there's 1982 firebirds laying around. Mm -hmm. Right. And I thought that is just like the greatest line. I don't know what a firebird is. It's a car. Okay. But I couldn't get it. I never could get the line to work. Mm -hmm. But I think people don't like the term white trash. And it is very negative. I think redneck, because of Jeff Foxworthy, had this real positive moment in the sun. But I think we're at this point, we're back to redneck being negative. Mm -hmm. And I think redneck is the term. I was on my way to being full on redneck. Yeah. And then I became, you know, alcoholic, um, you know, collar wearing, flip flop wearing, uh, beach, beach guy. Yeah. I mean, just really trying to, trying to be a professional, but also, you know, one foot in the professional world, one foot in the party world. Yep. Maybe I had three feet, two feet in the party world, (laughs) one foot in the professional world. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, then there's uh, Sober Me, who who is sold his car, um, riding a bike everywhere. I'm not that guy now, but I was that guy where I was biking everywhere. I mean, Charleston's very flat, so biking is great there. And I was biking everywhere. So that's another me. You were kind of Dutch. I don't know what that means, really. People in Holland... Ride a lot of bikes. Okay, yeah, I guess so. I used to ride my bike to the beach and just hang out by myself. It was great. Okay, yeah. And then... um, Let's see, is that like a stoic Dusty? I don't know, but that would be... Stoic bike ride Dusty? You know, that would be the third me, whatever. You know what I mean? But you know what? All right. There, There was also an even younger me because I didn't start drinking until I was about 16 or 17, which for Alabama, the way I grew up, is honestly pretty old. Um, I was late to the game. Mm-hmm. I don't think I got drunk for the first time until I was 17. But when I did it, I liked it. And I was like, wow, this is a lot of fun. And so, you know, there was, you know, innocent, sweet child Dusty, then alcoholic Dusty, then, then redneck Dusty, then alcoholic Dusty, then bike riding Dutch Dusty. And then, <laughs> and then I moved to Nashville. Yeah. You know? Um, where I began to get into comedy. Would you call that like ambitious, Dusty? Yeah, I think so. I was I was hyper focused. I was getting on it. Mm-hmm. I had figured out what I wanted to do. You and transferred your goals from wanting to just play video games as an adult into wanting to be a stand-up. Yeah, but I gave up video games long ago. Okay. 
um, you know, there was just a time period. I just remember having that thought, wow, this guy's cool. I want to play video games when I'm older. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and then, you know, there's. Uh, so you get to Nashville and there's. You yeah. Nashville so then I'm pursuing just. comedy. Okay. But then uh, I'd never been much of a relationship guy. Uh-huh. So then we get together. Oh, I'm in. I I'm, help form a new personality. I'm relationship, Dusty. <laughs> and then, you know, now I'm dad, Dusty. Yeah. Daddy. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you want to talk about there being two different. I mean, there's multiple people. Yeah. I mean, we're all, if, if we're all, you know, I think, I don't think everybody, because I think some people can, you know, they'll get out of high school and they maybe get into their dad mode right away. They mature fast. You know, and they get into it. Then and I think you can stay relatively the same or you can just get locked into party mode forever. Mm. Um, but I think if we're really trying to work hard and 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 push forward, we change all the time. Yeah. Like people say, um, you know, stuff like don't ever change. And it's like, well, you got to. Yeah. Or they'll say in a negative way, you've changed. And it's like, yeah, I have. I'm always changing. Yeah. I'm always changing out here. Absolutely. I'm not the same guy. Because mm -hmm. I'm moving and shaking. I'm learning things. I'm mm -hmm. paying attention. I'm asking questions. Yeah. And they did say, I've, I've heard this, and we've talked about this before, that if you're an addict, let's say, and you start being an addict at 21, that your emotional intelligence is stalled at that age until you get sober again and kind of allow yourself to, um, you know, be able to handle life sober again. So, yeah, I mean, well, I've always, you know, I've, yeah, because I matured real fast when I got sober. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing how fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you didn't go to college, but you did watch a lot of YouTube. Yeah. And so you learned a lot there, too. Yeah. And I'm also, like I say, I'm paying attention. <laughs> I'm asking questions. Yeah. I'm talking to people. Just like this weekend, we'll get into a little where we've been, where we're going. Yeah, I need to I need to ask you, what's up with the outfit, hon? Well, you look good. Well, that's what I'm going to tell you. This weekend, um, I went to Miami, Florida, down yeah. to the Miami Improv. And, you know, this this has been on my calendar for a while. I never really thought of Miami as a place I wanted to go and perform. Uh, but I was going to be going to the West Palm Beach Improv. But the West Palm Beach Improv had some issues with the building they were in. They lost their building. So they had to close the club temporarily. So I got moved to Miami. And people have told me, for years and years and years, they're like, oh, man, it's like a whole other country down there. They don't even speak English down there. And so with that in mind, I'm like, well, if that is true, if they have this whole other culture going on, if they don't really speak a lot of English, I don't speak Spanish, maybe this is not the place for me, you know? <laughs> I mean, Will Smith made Miami seem really fun in 1998, but it just still never seemed like it was my vibe. So to be honest, I had been dreading it. I didn't want to talk about dreading it, um, but I had been. 
I was like, I felt like I was going to get down there and my ticket sales were not going to be good. And the people that ran the club were going to be irritated with me. But this is, this is what goes on in my head. And because I didn't sell enough tickets and that the audience wasn't going to like me. And I just, I had it so worked up. I had it in my head that I hated Miami already. And I, when I landed at the airport, uh, you kind of like, they kind of put you out outside. You're outside of the airport and you have to walk in. So it's like you've been dumped outside already. And, and then my, uh, my driver that picked me up, very nice guy. He did not speak a lot of English. So, and everyone around me, as I was looking around at people waiting for cars, no one was speaking English. And I just felt so out of place. I just felt so uncomfortable. I was like, oh man, you know? And he picked me up and he took me to my hotel. Uh, there was a couple of problems checking into the hotel, easily fixed. But, you know, people spoke English, but English was not everyone's first language. Everyone was speaking Spanish around me. And, and then I got to the show that night. Uh, it's me and Alec Parent. Alec opens for me a lot. Alec had been there a couple of times already with various other headliners. And uh, my, the host is a guy named Carlos Hernandez, right? And Carlos comes in and he's the whitest looking dude, um, that, you know, he's just a white looking dude, but he's very Latin talking about not being white. And it's just blowing my mind, yeah. right? He has this, you know, Latin accent. I start talking to him a little bit. His parents are from Cuba. And, um, and the first show that we have that night was okay. It was okay. I was like, I felt good enough about it to where I was like, all right, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And then the second show Friday was amazing. It took me a minute to get them on board, uh, but it was just a, a lot of fun. I, I did my joke. I have a joke where I talk about, you know, when I was growing up, me and my friends would make this down. We'd go, scoo, scoo. That's what we would do when we wanted to get someone's attention. So I was just kind of doing that. It didn't seem like it was really hitting with people. And I'm like, well, what's a, what's a sound you make here, uh, you know, to get somebody's attention? And they go, oh, yay, oh, yay. They go, that's what we, that, so people were yelling that out. So at first I got one or two people yelling it out. By the end of that show, at one point, the whole audience does, oh, yay. And it's like, I'm like, oh man, I am loving the Latin vibe. Yeah. And then that night, uh, me and Carlos and Alec hang out and we just spend time hanging out at the hotel. And I start asking Carlos uh, about Cuba, right? Because I'm very interested in Cuba. I'm very interested because what I was finding is that, you know, there's people of all races in Miami but they're all Latin. I mean, there there's white people, black people, people that you would typically think of, you know, and, and then people you would typically think of as Latin people, but they're all Latin. I mean, the moment I would see a black guy and think, all right, here's my guy. This is a guy I can, you know, this is a guy that a Southern black guy that's gonna, that's gonna get me. 
he's French or he's Latin. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, no, it's like everybody is foreign, you know? Did I fly to Europe? <laughs> yeah, right. Where am I? And then, and then I'll, you know, then I would see white people and, uh, and then, and then they're Latin. I mean, blonde white people. I'm just, I'm so blown away by it. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Carlos reminded me so much of my friend growing up, Costa, Costa, uh, his dad is from Greece. Um, and so I messaged my friend Costa. I was like, man, you would fit in great down here. And he said, yeah, when I lived, he said he lived there for a little while. And he said, when I lived there, everyone thought I was Cuban. Um, and so I just talked to Carlos about Cuba. I wanted to know about Cuba because of course you hear all the time, that Cuba's communist and it's bad and it's awful and we should all hate Fidel Castro, right? And I've always disliked communism, right? But then I start talking to uh, Carlos, you know, I start asking him questions. I'm like, is Cuba really as bad as they talk about? And after talking to him for a while, you know, uh, I, I now uh, definitely hate communism. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like you start to learn. Okay. Uh, you know, it's like, I think there's a couple of sides to it in the sense that maybe people believe, or maybe it is true that Fidel Castro, you know, saved them from some, um, catastrophe at some point, but, but, you know, then became a dictator, mm -hmm. you know, a military dictator. And obviously he's gone, but his brother still runs things. And he says that his grandmother still lives in Cuba and that she has a, a grocery list, like a government-issued grocery list, where that's all the amount of stuff she can buy from the grocery store. Yeah. Like they say, this is what you're allowed to get. And then your whole family basically lives in a house. Uh, very family-oriented, which I like, but... You're like forced family oriented. So they can like the military, the government can show up to your house. And if you've got too much groceries, if they decide you have too much, they'll take it. Other people there where I was talking to the, the uh, manager of the club was part Dominican, part Cuban. And he was saying, you know, that if you try to send your family money in Cuba and say you send them a uh, hundred dollars. Uh, by the time everybody in Cuba takes their cut, your family will get like 15 bucks. And uh, there's no, he says there are some celebrities kind of in Cuba because the internet has been there for about 10 years now. That's about how long they've had the internet there. Um, and, and, and keep in mind, uh, Carlos is not claiming to be the expert here. These are just, Questions I ask him, answers he gave me, and this is the best of my remembering it. Um, and and that, um, you know, there's no celebrity culture there, but some people, because of the internet, have become popular, but they don't really make more money. They're not necessarily rich because they're famous. And then the only sport is baseball. I thought there would be some soccer. He's like, there's no soccer. There's only baseball. And everyone's goal in baseball is, you know, to make it to the Major League Baseball in America. But he says people, baseball players all the time, they'll go to some other country to play. And 
people from the team will defect and run away. Oh, wow. Because they just don't want to go back to Trying Cuba. Trying to get out of Cuba, yeah. Yeah. And he said both of his parents got out. He, they fled out uh, separately and met each other in Mexico. They didn't know each other prior, but met in Mexico and got married, had Carlos, and then moved to Miami. Yeah. I wish I knew more about Cuba, but I do know a little about communism from reading about the Russian Revolution. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it is crazy to me mm-hmm. um, that there are people in this country, not just politicians, uh, there are people out here who who will say things like, I want to live in a communist utopia. Mm-hmm. Which, and, they, and they'll always say, well, it's never been done right, or something like that. And I'm like, I've never heard of anybody that's lived in communism and been like, you know, had they just done this or this, it would have been great. Well, what gets me is is the Americans uh, that are on the internet saying, F capitalism. And, and then they're the same girls that are online shopping, have a, a different outfit to wear 365 days a in the year they yeah. love shopping they're consumers and it's like do you even know what you're saying yes you love capitalism you love consuming you love shopping you love having multiples and dozens and hundreds of everything around you that's capitalism that's property yeah. that's private property i mean communism and socialism which is just a lighter version of communism is exactly what you just said. That guy said you're allowed to have X, Y, and Z. That's all you're allowed to have. No one's allowed to have anything extra or different. And you certainly are not going to be able to have in fancy different clothes, different shoes. I just like to say for people that don't know this, I just learned this recently. In Canada, they say Z as opposed to Z. Did I just say Z? So when Hannah said X, Y, and Z, that would have been what I would say X, Y, and Z. Well, I got to shake that off because I'm American now. Yeah, but no, I like that. I like that you have some Canadian things. But so this is the, um, so this shirt on Sunday, we went down to Little Havana. Now, I don't remember what the shirt's called. It is called, you know, a a Cuban type name where the G is pronounced like an H. Um, But, um, and I don't remember. And I would just butcher the name anyway, but it's 100% linen. I don't know how good it looks me sitting in this chair right now. You look but, good, but I like I like the shirt. You L- look good. Linen is great. I'm into linen, um, but it's you know it's hard to find, and this has got a nice embroidery to it. It's got several pockets, and I bought this. You know, f- Little Havana is like a Cuban area of Miami. Like it's like an they say it's pretty touristy, and I could see that. But it also just seemed like a lot of real authentic Cuban people hanging out, a lot of live music, people are dancing. There was a section where old people were playing dominoes. I haven't seen old men play dominoes since I was a kid. When I was a kid, in my dad's hometown, there was the the Larry Edges grocery store, and then across the street was an old building, and old men would sit out front and play dominoes on the porch. And I miss seeing that. I thought, wow, what a great, it's such a old school America thing that you just don't see anymore. And there it was in Little Havana. And you have to be, apparently you have to be like 55 
in order to even get in. They won't love that. I do love that. Yeah. I mean, I just love when people have a culture about them and that culture is fun and they're welcoming to other people, but they're also, you know, like respect what we do here. Like the guy, I went into the store. He owned the store. I don't know that he owned it. I didn't ask him to show me his paperwork, but it, he seemed like an owner because the moment I walked in that store, he came over to help me. Now I know I talked to you and my sister about it, and you were both like, I don't like that. I want to just be able to browse. And, and I do too for the most part. But I go to so many stores now across the country, chain stores and whatnot, and you walk in and people are just playing on their phone. They could care less. They don't want to help because it doesn't matter to them if they sell anything because it's not their store. Well, I think you're a money maker. You like making money. So you respect other people that are trying to make money. Yes. I mean, this guy... Um, saw me come in. He heard me say, this is the kind of shirt I'm looking for. And he goes, you're looking for a shirt like this? And then he took me to the section. He goes, you're a large. Uh, I go, well, sometimes a medium. And then, um, um, and he, he, you know, he's, he's Cuban and English. And it's like, this is the thing that I know. Like you'll be talking to somebody in, in English, right? And then Carlos is with us. And He's talking English. He's doing a full comedy set in English. He talks in, and then, but the moment a another Latin person comes up and they hit the Spanish, it's like, whoa, now they, you like go into Spanish mode. He's not like a dude that knows Spanish. They go into a mode. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, all right. Um, and I, I had made the joke that I, um, I like not understanding, like Friday, I, I did not like Miami. Saturday and Sunday, I couldn't stop talking about it. I still can't, I can't stop talking about it. I'm so excited well, by what it. What happened with the shirt? Well, oh, okay. So I'm in the store and yeah, and he's, and he's showing me these and, and this was the pricier one of them, but this was the hundred percent linen, which I was like, well, this is a, this is a twofer. I get this style of shirt, but also in linen. And I go, I'd like to see a medium. He goes, no, you're not a medium. <laughs> he goes, he goes, a medium would look, uh, he goes, I don't even know how to say how it would look. And he was uh, kind of slightly negging you. And yeah. I think it worked. He was, uh, he was making jokes and, uh, I liked it. Mm -hmm. I'm into it. He reminded me of my friend's dad growing up, my friend's Greek dad. He used to make fun of me all the time, called me Doosty, uh, made fun of the way I held my spoon. Um, and uh, I used to hold a spoon like this, you know, and he taught me how to hold my spoon. He's so uncivilized. Yeah. And, uh, but, and then I go, he, he has, I don't know if it was his wife, but he has a lady run the cash register and she's ringing me up. And I didn't feel like it took that long, but he kind of comes up there. He's still in a joking tone, but he's like, well, you don't have money. Uh, what's going on? And I love <laughs> old men that aren't too crude. Yeah. 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 And then the Spanish, that's like, oh, you're going to get spicy with me. Yeah. And so, you know, I got the shirt. So then you I bought the shirt. Had a little Cuban food. Uh, my issue with Cuban food, we went to one restaurant, the entire menu it was a small menu, but the whole menu was pork or shellfish. There was no other options. So we left. We went to another place, and then I got some flank steak, uh, Cuban style. I don't really even know what they did to it, but it was delicious. What do you think would have happened if you went on about the law to the Cubans? 
Well, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into their area talking to them about it. Right. I mean, I, exp- I told Carlos what I was doing. Yeah. That's why I, I didn't, I couldn't eat off that menu. He didn't give me any problems. He didn't make jokes about it. He didn't harass me. He didn't try to educate me on the Bible. Mm-hmm. He just said, all right, well, we'll go somewhere else. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and we went somewhere else. Okay. And we met up with a couple other people, people that have brought me tacos a couple of times in West Palm Beach and now in Miami. And so Saturday, the first show, the early show, was my least favorite show. It was the busiest show, but I just was not getting a great response. Saturday late might have been my favorite show of the weekend. It was just hopping, and I messed up my audio on the video. I have a wireless mic that I wear. I forgot to turn mine on, and when you do that, it just means you get no audio. So I, I, I just deleted that one, and then there was the Sunday show, uh, which was really great. And Sunday, I wore this shirt on stage. On Friday, the first show, I'm making the joke that I don't think Miami is my vibe. And by the last show, I mean, I'm ready to be a Cuban American. (laughs) I mean, if there was a way to convert to being a Cuban American, I'm in. I mean, I was shocked when you told me you wore that shirt on stage, you bought it that day and wore it on stage. You have not changed your style. I know. On stage for five years. And Lord knows you have bought many cowboy outfits that just sit in the closet. Yeah. And you will not wear them on stage. And you go down to Miami for one weekend. You're talking about, Spanish people speaking Spanish and then it turns into a Spanish thing. I think you got sucked into that thing. They took you with that. I think maybe I'm more Cuban than I am cowboy. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, I'm, you know, South Alabama, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, I'm more Southern Alabama, which is closer to Southern Florida than it is to Oklahoma. Well, I'll tell you what, I never would have thought it, but now that it's become who you are, I do think that in another life you would be Latin. Yeah. You like to dance. You like to have a good time. It's a happy culture, it feels like. Yeah. But they just keep getting uh, oppressed by dictators. Yeah. It's a happy culture. Yeah. And maybe if you were Latin, you could be the dictator because you'd come in with like, this is the law of the Bible. And like, let's make this a a theocracy. Well, you can't dictate the law, but you just tell people. Well, you can make it a theocracy. Yeah. Yeah, but that's not the way to go. But no. I, I just think that, it's that would uh, be maybe taking away the vibe. But it's just a it's a it's a fun vibe. Mm. The music is is like country music, a bit of a faster country music. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Did like, you dance? No, I didn't dance. Did you see other people? I dancing? did. Yeah, that's fun. Middle Even, of the day. Yeah, just like on the street. Yeah, just as you walk by these bars with music playing. Okay, okay, that's good enough. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, of course, you know, Miami also has, like, like I'm into, I would love to see more Miami. It was cloudy and rainy, honestly, the whole time I was there. A little bit of a bummer. I did lay out by the pool one day, get a little sun, and you that was good. nice. You got a little tan. Yeah, it was a nice day. Um, but, um, so I didn't see as much as I would have liked to have seen. But, you know, they also have, like, different, parts of Miami. It's not all, you know, little Havana. It's, you know, South Beach and they have an arts district and this and that. 
And I think South Beach is probably not my vibe. That's probably where where there's more big money at. Probably a lot of Lamborghinis and yeah. But based on your experience, you didn't think anything in Miami was your vibe. So maybe South Beach is like where we're moving next year. Like, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that would be hard. I mean, I, I the thing about Little Havana that I liked is it, obviously it, it reminded me of like uh, even parts of Brooklyn when I would be there, like where it's just like, it's not the hipster part. It's just where regular people are living. Mm -hmm. You know, you just, and it's just like that kind of vibe to me where it's like, you're in a city and this is obviously some city strip here, but for the most part, it's just, it's small town people living in a big city. That's fantastic. That's what I, because, you know, I would, I would hear stories of like people that live in Brooklyn or, or something like that. I, I don't know all the boroughs, but someone that would live there, but they never have been to Manhattan or maybe once or twice they've been, they never go because everything they need is in their own little neighborhood. Yeah. It's like us living in Hermitage. We rarely, I mean, we go to Nashville here and there, but we're just mostly in Hermitage and Mount Juliet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought it was great. I had such a great time. And look at you sitting before me, a king in this oversized navy blue linen shirt yeah. with beautiful embroidery on it. The yeah. details. And the people at the club were so nice to me. Um, it just, they were so, I mean, like the other, all the dudes running security were just nice. They were into my jokes. Uh, and it's just like, I, I, I just had it in my mind that they were going to be like, Oh, here comes this guy. Like I, I, I've often been like that. I've been like that. The first time I went to Arizona and Phoenix and did comedy, that's what I thought when I went to Washington DC and did comedy. That's what I thought. The first time I went to Portland, Oregon, that's what I thought. When I went to Seattle, that's what I thought. But, um, Every time I've come away going, I like this. I'm into this. Now, you know, when I did Phoenix the first time, there were a lot of like Mexican Hispanic people at the show and they loved it. They loved my comedy. And that's when I was like, okay, all right. So I'm, I love Mexican people. Not that I ever didn't love them, but, but when you see them laugh at your jokes and relate to how you grew up, you're like, okay, this is awesome. But I had done the show in West Palm Beach in 2019. You were with me down there. And there were more, there was more of a Latin vibe. And I didn't like the shows. The shows did not go well. So I felt like Latin people did not like my comedy. Not Mexican, but more like Dominican, Cuban, that the, kind of the vibe. islands, South yeah. America. So I felt like they did not like my comedy. Mm-hmm. But this time around, it was hot. Well, what a great lesson, first of all, that you got to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, it's pretty easy to stay ignorant if you don't go anywhere. I mean, think it's about true. think about how on his way to Redneck Dusty would think about this experience. I mean, he never, I mean, you, you're blowing that little boy's mind. Well, absolutely. And I'm more convinced than ever. I mean, after seeing white, black, and, you know, brown people, um, all being Latin and like blowing uh, my mind about, you know, like when you like, it's just like, what does race matter? Like you see a white guy and you're like, all right, here's a white guy. And then he starts talking and you're like, wait, 
this guy's Latin. You know what I mean? Or you see a black guy and you're like, all right, here's a black guy. And then he's like, he's Latin. And you're like, oh, whoa. And it's like, they're all living in this culture Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. And uh, yeah, it doesn't matter at all. We're all our cultures. Right. We're not our skin colors. We're our cultures. Yes. And it's it's blowing my mind. I mm-hmm. mean, of course, I know these things already. But when you see it like that represented in Miami, it is, I loved it. Yeah. Now, I'm sure. Actually, I told the manager of the club, Justin, where I grew up in Alabama. I grew up in a town called Opelika. And in outside of Miami, there is a town, there is something called Opelika, which I think it's spelled slightly different. And it is kind of the bad area of Miami. Um, so I'm sure there's bad areas in Miami. Yeah. It's not all this beautiful Latin utopia that I've, you know, made it seem, I'm sure. But I didn't see any But of that. that was your experience. Yes, it was. That's what you took away from it. That's what God wanted you to have. Yeah. And I had a driver taking me to the club every week. And it's like, he would talk to me. Uh, but like the first night he goes, uh, he, uh, after the first show at uh, the second night, he goes, how were the shows? You know? And I told him and he, you know, we communicated a little bit. So the next night I got in the car and we, we talked a little bit and I go, we had two good shows last night. He goes, uh, no problem. And I'm like, all right. So he doesn't know what I'm saying. Uh, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so, um, yeah, but it's like my, Carlos said his dad has lived, you know, I don't know, in America for, you know, I, I guess they've lived 16 years, 20 years, and doesn't know any English. Yeah. And he doesn't have to. Well, why would he need to? Yeah, right. he's living in Miami. Yeah. So that's it. That's, that's my whole fun. trip. Yeah. And it was great. I loved it. Well, speaking of linens um, and lin- and a linen shirt that you're wearing, now, let's explain to the listeners our appreciation of linen. Your sister will not wear anything but linen. She's all about linen. She changed the sheets on our bed this weekend to put linen sheets on the bed. Yeah. Well, there's this thought out there, and I don't know, but there, that, that fabrics have frequencies, And these frequencies can give you energy or can drain you of your energy. That's why they say wool has a certain frequency that can energize you. And linen has a certain frequency that can energize you. But if you put those two fabrics together, they cancel each other out and they can drain your energy. Mm. That's why in the Bible, it says, it doesn't say don't wear mixed fabrics. It says don't wear uh, fabrics mixed with woolen and linen saying, don't mix those fabrics. And I think that was a specific thing that was maybe happening at the time. And God was like, Hey, don't be doing that. That's, that's messing you up. Um, and he's just given us guidance. I think a lot of the laws are not so much laws as they are guidance being like, Hey, but, but also it's like, if someone like created you and then was like, Hey, I know how to make your life the best. And then you're like, all right, you're probably right, but I'm not going to do it. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, um, but that's why I I like linen, but it it is hard to find linen. And I often don't think linen looks very good. Linen 
uh, and, and what I mean, I guess if you find very expensive linen, it looks good. But like uh, the typical linen clothing, you look like you look real hippie. You look, it's very drapey and yeah. it can be very wrinkly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you look like, yeah, you look like you'd be wearing linen uh, suit with a hemp necklace. Mm -hmm. And uh, your sister rocks because she's a mom. Yeah. You know, so she's just kind of floating around in linen. Yes. And that's that's her vibe. And she works it. Yeah. Mm hmm. And I'm into it, but I, I did I did buy the pricier of the two shirts because I found out it was 100% linen. And I was like, you know what? I'm into that. Well, there's other things that you're kind of into that maybe, you know, that I thought we could talk about because okay. it's like there's the mainstream products and then there's your version of the product that you want to use. Okay. I have an email I want to read at the end. Okay. You recently purchased for our daughter, our two-year-old, wide shoes. Why don't you explain that? Well, um, in addition to grounding and earthing that I've talked about before, connecting to the earth, there is, uh, you know, some thought out there about how our our feet are actually supposed to be wider and that that's better for us, that as we're walking, our feet spread out more and that our shoes that we wear, if they're too thin, they they squish up our feet and, and, and it's not the natural kind of way we're supposed to walk. And uh, so I bought these shoes uh, that are a bit wider so her feet are not cramped in there. How did you search for those shoes? Did you just search toddler wide shoe? Well, I'll be honest, I can be targeted with ads uh, in a way. It's not all ads. It's people that I follow. It's a lot of these hippie type people that I follow. Okay. And they'll they'll show. They'll tell you the problem and then say, and buy then they this say, shoe. Here's, here's an example of a shoe you can get. And I'll go okay. look. And I don't always buy. Taking a page out of the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. I don't always buy these things, but I do say, you know what? I like that. Because she's she had been given so many shoes, yeah. a lot of them were rubber shoes, and I don't like that because she's got no connection to the earth now because she's wearing these rubber shoes, um, and the, even this shoes my uh, sister brought are handmade shoes. Uh, I think it's leather bottoms and not rubber bottoms, so there is some connection to the earth. And then you know, then she she's not we're not cramping her feet up. It's not making her feet bigger. But it's just it's not letting them breathe. Yeah, it's not cramping them up. I mean, my dad's feet, his feet are so cramped up because he said he would like had to wear hand-me-downs growing up. And he would the, the shoes were so small that he had to wear that his toes are all jacked up because of it. I think this is a good opportunity for all of our listeners to take off their socks if they're wearing them. Take a look at your toes. Are they cramped up? Do you got a little bit of room for your little toes and piggies to move around? If you don't, get yourself a bigger size shoe. And spend some time walking around barefooted. You don't have to do it all the time, but spend some time doing it. It's mm -hmm. really nice to walk around barefooted. Mm -hmm. I love to walk barefooted. And the um, my feet are not too bad cramped, but my little toe is a bit bent in. Um, but I, I just... How are my feet? You got the same kind of thing going. I got okay. Well, your feet, you're not yours are not bad, but your little toe is a little cramped in I've there. Done a lot of walking in my life, and I wore a lot of cleats yeah. as a child. 
But it's like, you know, I saw a kid at the play park one day. He seemed, I mean, he was barefooted. Mm -hmm. And I thought his parents must be real hippie like, but they just, I saw them and they just looked real redneck. But he was just playing on the, on all the equipment, just jumping off barefooted. But his feet seemed huge because he just, I'm sure he spent a lot of time barefooted. So his, his feet were just free. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So watch out for that. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know what the benefit is, but I do know that uh, people don't seem to be doing real well out here health Well, it could lead to like, you know, bunions or just foot and yeah. ankle pain, joints, all that kind of just achy stuff that happens to you when you're older. I'm open to anything taking me back to a more natural way because it, we're not doing well as a society. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I don't, I, I am, I love capitalism. I don't like everything that goes on in our country. I don't think we have a pure form of capitalism. We have, I think what they call like crony capitalism, where it's like these corporations and our government have become intertwined and the big corporations rise to the top. And then the the little man is overregulated. So you have to, I, I read somewhere that in California, you have to pay $5,000 to uh, get a license to cut hair. And it's like, sure, make sure people are licensed and make sure they know what they're doing. But $5,000 is is extreme. And it's like, those are the type of things that are happening to small businesses. It's almost impossible to open a business because it costs you so much money. Meanwhile, a company like Walmart will move into a town and the town will roll back a lot of the fees and, and regulations because they want Walmart's business. They're like, yes, please come to our town. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the little man is getting cut out now. And so it's keeping people. But the idea of capitalism is that you can form your own business. And if you see a need in the community, you can open a business. You can provide that need for people while also making money for yourself. When people live in these over the top. Now, anytime you bring up not wanting to live in a socialist society, someone will bring up something in our country that's a little bit socialized. And I go, well, I guess you don't want this. And it's like, I just think that when, when things go total socialist and or communist and you can't and, and there's no real benefit for you to run a business, then this whole entrepreneurship, the whole uh, idea of innovation goes downhill because if I create something or provide a service that no one else is providing, well, I want to make my money for it. But if you're just going to make the same as everybody else, no matter what you do, then your motivation goes away. Yeah. So the idea of free market capitalism is what we want. So we, but you know, there's always going to be no perfect system in, right. in the world of humans. There's always going to be rich people uh, that come in and, and find a way to push people out and do this. But as long as the government is not involved in, in over-regulating you, I think you can. Now, you know, the moment you talk about regulations, people go, oh, you don't want to, you know, eat bad food and die. And I'm like, well, you know, let's have 
the right amount of regulations for the right amount of things. You know what I mean? Like I want to make sure restaurants Let's are regulate the regulations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. So, um, I forget how we got onto this capitalist. Uh, well, it, it, it was just because of the communism of, of Cuba. Mm. That, and so I just went back to that. Oh, okay. Um, Okay, did you have any emails or anything you wanted to look at? Yeah, I do have an email. I want to talk about this. This guy sent me this email, and um, I, I, I feel this guy's pain. Oh. Well, all right, and it's not that sad. Okay. But I just feel his pain. So I want to read the email and try to respond best I can, and maybe you might have some insight here too. Uh, subject line is question about stopping drinking hi dusty been listening a long time and have really connected with your life stories my question is about how i can stop drinking and still have a good time and i think this is a problem for a lot of people yeah um now i know you've talked about this many times however my question is a little more in-depth and i was hoping you might have some advice i've been sober for seven months now congratulations I knew that I had a problem when I would drink every night before talking or hanging out with my friends and waking up every day hungover. So I decided to make a change in the form of quitting drinking as that was my main problem. At first, I would think to myself that I don't know how to have a good time and be funny or engaging with my friends without drinking. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. I couldn't connect with my friends and ended up losing all of them. I have since went to church and tried to find friends there, but after many months of being at church, I still feel the same way. I feel like I cannot find enjoyment or any form of fulfillment in life or people without drinking. Maybe seven months is not long enough, but I am at the point where I would rather drink, have fun, and have a hangover in the morning rather than have no fun, no friends, and poor, unfulfilling lifestyle. I truly do not know what to do because after seven months sober, I don't feel any better. I am scared that if I stick with it two years down the line, I will still feel the same way. This may be too heavy for the podcast, but any advice is appreciated. Thank you, and I am excited to see where you're going moving forward. All right. I'm totally, this, uh, this is not, I see your face and your face seems very sad. This doesn't make me sad because I understand this. I was in this place. Um, uh, there was a friend of mine, he died, but he was a comic. He used to have this joke. I quit drinking. I lost all my friends and 20 pounds or I lost 20 pounds and all my friends. I messed up the joke. But the point is, is this is happening to everyone that quits drinking. Everyone that quits drinking finds themselves in this place. And I think that's why people a lot of times do go back to drinking because they're like, well, I didn't like that I was drunk every day, but at least I was having fun. Or, or you know, and I think that we are friends with people based on what we have in common with them, right? Like when you work at a place, you'll be friends with people you work with a lot of times. Um, when you grow up with people, your friends, like the, the friends that I have the longest are the friends that I grew up with, obviously, you know, because we stay in touch, but we always will have that we grew up together in common. We will always have our hometown to look back on and talk about our childhood memories to talk about. Uh, and most of those will transcend drinking because 
I became friends with a lot of those people before we ever drank. Um, now, on the other hand, a lot of my friends in Charleston that I made over the years, our uh, entire bond was drinking. And so the moment I quit drinking, they were basically gone from my life. Not all of them, but most of them. And the ones that I hung on to were the ones that still did comedy and a few random people here and there. But for the most part, it was my friends that I did comedy with. The people that I would just get wasted with from the restaurant. I mean, my best friend of many years in Charleston, when I quit drinking, we were no longer friends. Uh, but it's, it's because you no longer have anything in common. So you're having trouble connecting with those friends because your connection was drinking. What, what I feel like people put on themselves is now I can't have fun because I don't drink. But you're still trying to have the same fun with the same people. And the reason you were having fun with those people is because you were drunk. You didn't actually enjoy the people. Now I'm speaking for myself, but I'm also speaking for this guy a little bit too. But it's like, it's, it's not that you enjoyed those friends. You enjoyed being drunk. And now you're having a hard time finding new friends because it can be hard to make friends. So you're having a hard time making new friends. So you're looking back going, oh man, what a good time we had. And you did have a good time, but it was drinking that was fun. It wasn't necessarily the friends. Like I had a great time with my drinking buddies, but the moment I quit drinking, I didn't enjoy them anymore. And I went on a, you know, a, an entirely different journey. I went, you know, I sold my car. I quit my job. I wanted to quit comedy. I was ready to give up everything. I threw my bed in a dumpster. I slept on an air mattress. I threw almost all of my bedroom furniture away. My bedroom was almost completely empty. I like ridded my life of so much of my old stuff. This was bicycle stoic dusting. Yes, because I was on a new journey now. And f fortunately for me, in the friends area, I was doing comedy. So while I did lose a bunch of friends from quitting drinking, and not that my friends were like, see you, dude. It was just like, they're going to the bar and that's not where I want to go. Uh, so I, you know, had comedy. Um, I also relate to you on the church thing for many, many years. I tried to find companionship in the church and I did make some friends here and there. I did have friends from the church that I would hang out with, but they never were my vibe. I mean, church people, um, and not to say Christians, but just church people, never were my vibe. And, you know, I, after I quit drinking, I, I was going to this church and I was going a lot. I was going to various groups, you know, nighttime groups, hanging out with people. Uh, but they just never were. And I, even though I had a lot of fun with them, they never were my vibe entirely. You know, I always had a little more edge to me than the church crowd because, you know, just of things I've done throughout my life. Um, and, uh, so it was always harder. Uh, I think the, my advice is definitely don't go back to drinking. I reached a point after I quit drinking and this was more on the dating scene. I got a little, uh, depressed 
not depressed, sad, I guess, bummed out because I was not um, finding a girlfriend. I thought, well, I've lost, you know, 40 pounds. I'm in the best shape of my life. I've quit drinking. I'm in control of my life. I'm doing great in comedy. And yet I'm still not able to find a girlfriend. Now, I've always just been too hard on myself in this area. But eventually things all just started turning around and it just became unbelievable. Like now I don't, I guess you're religious because you go to church. You said you go to church, but it's like, you know, I just think my, my advice is, is just continue to pray, but just seek a new way of life. Don't seek fun. Uh, just seek a new way of life, uh, a new way to live, new hobbies. Uh, it's like I was searching out a girlfriend where I'm like, nah, that will come. That will all come. If you're just living your best life, doing your best thing. I spent a lot of time alone after I quit drinking. I, I went back to waiting tables and it was uh, not everybody was new from when I'd quit, but most everybody on the staff was all new people. I didn't know any of them and I wasn't drinking with them. So I would get off work and uh, I worked three days a week waiting tables and every day I would get off work and I would go get frozen yogurt and I would go home and eat it. And it was the best because I was just appreciating that my life was not consumed with alcohol. It, it had been so consumed for so long. I was so hungover for so long. I ate so bad. I felt so bad. I smoked so many cigarettes that I was just like, I was now free of all that. And I just enjoyed that freedom so much that I was willing to give up everything to hang on to that. And I just, I don't know that there's, there's real advice to give other than just motivation to know that I think in two years, you will look back and say, I'm happy that I don't drink anymore. And I think you will have found new things to get into, you know, try playing an instrument, get a guitar. It doesn't have to be an expensive guitar, get a, get an acoustic guitar, uh, get a cheap keyboard from the pawn shop, learn to play piano, get a bicycle, get a bicycle. I don't know where you live. Charleston was beautiful for it. Um, Nashville is the hardest place I've ever tried to bike. Um, you know, um, you know, uh, get into old movies. New movies are so bad, it's not even worth getting into. But get into old movies. Scrapbooks. Uh, scrapbooks. Coloring yeah. books. To some way. I, coloring books, Drawing. I would say, I know too. But uh, yeah, uh, scrapbooking in a way, I think is fun. It's like just finding ways to be like, because I was, once I quit drinking, I was not worried about having a good time. Because... That's what I had been focused on for 10 years of drinking was just having this, this good time. And I would go and sit in coffee shops by myself and just drink coffee and write jokes, you know, but before I really got into alcoholism so hard, I would go to coffee shops when I was younger and write, uh, poems and write, uh, my thoughts. This was, you know, I was doing this back before there were cell phones or at least before there were iPhones. And I would write my thoughts. I, I, I wrote a couple of ideas for movies. I um, would just go and sit and look at people. I mean, 
when I, I would go down, I would bike down to the, the water in Charleston and at night dolphins would come out and I would sit and look at the dolphins. Um, it's just like, there's so many things to do that don't involve having a good time. Not, not to say they're not fun, but it's just like, I think it seven months uh, to me feels like it does feel like enough time to kind of get over the good time thing. But I think you may be stuck in it because you're, you're, you're really like yearning for it. You're like, none of this is fun. And listen, if you've been drinking and partying like I was, and then now you're trying to find that fun in the church, I mean, it ain't going to be there, but it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be that same kind of fun, you know? Um, but I don't know. Do you got anything also, to say? Life Hannah? just becomes sort of less fun as you get older. Like, cause, cause you start to sort of meet the same types of people over and over again. And you know, you, you do settle down Yeah, and you can't just be adrenaline seeking, you know, of course you, you want to have good times and you get together with your friends, you have dinners, you go to parties or whatever here and there. But I mean, I just think, yeah, it, it's definitely misguided to just be constantly seeking fun or happiness. I think a good thing to seek is is just peace. Contentment. Try to seek peace, contentment. Yeah, I think praying for contentment yeah. is good. I think reading Proverbs and reading Ecclesiastes in the Bible will also be helpful mm -hmm. uh, because you know Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon, who was a king who. Uh, who had everything, uh, you know, at, at the time he was considered the richest and wisest king ever. So um, he had everything. He, he had all the wine, all the food, all the women, uh, everything you could possibly want he had. And then he wrote Ecclesiastes to basically express how unfulfilling it all was. And that's what drinking is to me. Drinking is just a constant unfulfillment. You're you're happy for the night, but it leaves you sad the next day, and you're not really happy again until you get back into it. Uh, I find with not doing that, you don't have the lows. You may not have the highs, but you don't have the lows. I don't laugh as much as I laughed when I was drinking, but, you know, I'm not a madman out here. I don't need to be laughing all the time, you know? Um, I hope this is helpful. I, I emailed him back and I told him that I, I, I didn't want to type it. I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. And I feel like I've just kind of rambled, but I just want to give you motivation and hope that it will get better because you, you just have to, you have to stop thinking that you're going to have the same kind of fun that you used to have as a drinker. Not that you're not going to have fun, but it ain't going to be the same kind of fun. You're not going to be able to hang out with your drinking buddies and just laugh because honestly, this is what I found. I'm hanging out with my drinking buddies and I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're mm -hmm. just listening and you're like, is this what I was saying? Yeah. It's awful being around people that are drinking and that are drunk, then you're not drunk. It's like, okay, I gotta go. I <laughs> yeah, gotta go. Yeah. And I hated being in bars. I still hate being in bars. Yeah. Uh, I can hang out in a quiet bar once in a while. And I don't know if you're into cigars, but that is a, I find that is a good way to hang with people and have conversations without having to drink. 
And, you know, also if, if you just want to hang out with people and you don't want to be harassed, there's always what they call the mocktail, which you could go and get yourself, get yourself a little ginger ale on the rocks, uh, with a lime on the side and the little stirring straw. And nobody's even going to ask questions. They may go, what are you drinking? But chances are they're not going to ask. And and it's just you're not drinking water out of a red Solo cup, which is, you know, everybody looks at and they go, what's going on here? You, you, you sober? You know, you just make yourself get a mocktail. I never like non-alcoholic beers because I'm afraid to taste beer and enjoy the taste too much. So I never like to mess around with non-alcoholic beers, but um, a mocktail is the way to go. So I hope this was helpful. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you can't email a comedian and expect you had all the answers, but we do appreciate you writing in and and uh, relating to Dusty's story. And I just, I just tell you, buddy, like, hang on, man. Don't let that devil tell you what to do. Don't, because you're going to go back to drinking and it's going to probably be darker and way less fun than it was before anyways. And you're going to find yourself way right back to trying to get sober again. You and know, everybody that I know, and I know some people that use the AA program and I've talked to a lot. I mean, like, it's like when I started talking about having vertigo, I started to realize, wow, a lot of people have suffered from vertigo and nobody talks about it. But once somebody does talk about it, other people are like, hey, I've had that too. So when you stop drinking and you start talking about it, it's like other people will tell you their stories. And I've met several people and they're like, they're like, I, they're, they would be like, I'm on my second time getting sober. And they're like, I got sober. I went back to drinking and they're like, it was far worse. And the, um, um, and, and it was harder to get sober mm -hmm. the second time around. Yeah. Um, I want to try to find something here. You got anything, Hannah? Yeah. I just saw, I just feel, um, no, I don't got nothing. <laughs> I'm fading. All right, we're about to be done here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to find this one verse. I think it. Yeah, uh, let's end on a verse. Um, I just want him to give me this verse here. Um, I think it's interesting that the guy who says we're having a good time just said it's not all about having a good time, and that is the key. To having a good time. Don't expect to have a good time. Don't need to have a good time. And you know what? You might just end up having a good time. This is great, Hannah. Thank you. All right, here we go. I found it here. All right, this is Matthew twelve forty three, And it says, um, let's see. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so, it 
so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. And I just say, you know, it's like the, the spirit has been removed from this person and the spirit goes out and the spirit's walking the earth looking for something. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go back to that man. He doesn't, the spirit doesn't find anything out in the world. And he says, I'm going to go back to the man that I used to live inside. And then when he comes back, oh, the house now is neat and orderly because this evil spirit has been gone who's been trashing your mind the whole time. Now he comes back, everything is clean and orderly. Is like, well, now that it's so nice in here, I'm going to get other spirits to come and dwell in here too because this is a good spot now. And now it's more spirits in your mind, that's more creepy. spirits in your body, and you're in a worse state than you were. And I think that's what happens when you go back. And so yeah. uh, I don't, uh, yeah, so there's, there's no question in my mind why you're not able to find this contentment right now but i think you just got to push forward find joy in other things and you gotta know life is hard you just gotta know it is it is hard and that's why uh drinking is so appealing to people Mm -hmm. because you work a job all day you get off work you're tired you're too tired to do anything but you have a couple of beers shot of whiskey and suddenly you're energized a little bit you find yourself at the bar the music sounds a little sweeter your friends are around you're laughing having a good time Mm -hmm. even though it's all meaningless it's all fruitless Mm -hmm. you're not building anything you're just surviving you got to build something. Yeah. Build your own table. Build, yeah, build something. Physically build something. All right, we got to get out of here. Thank you for that email. Thank you guys for listening. We're having a good time.